2: of Fruit Loops, episode 79. Thank you so much for listening. Fruit Loops is a podcast about true crimes committed by people of color and their victims that we don't hear or know much about. Contrary to popular belief, not all serial killers are straight, cisgender, white dudes. No, ma'am. No, it's true. There are many <laughs> well-documented cases of serial killers of color and Fruit Loops is a podcast all about them. We will take deep dives into the fascinating lives and crimes of serial killers and true crimes committed by people of color and their victims at the Media and Entertainment College commonly leave out because the news is racist allegedly
1: and we are wendy and beth she's wendy i'm beth we're not journalists investigators or psychologists nope just a couple of gals interested in true crime Mm -hmm. also the opinions expressed in this podcast are just that our opinions please send any questions or comments to fruitloopspod at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at 602-935-6294 and we may feature it on a future episode. Also, our website is fruitloopspod.com and we use Fruit Loops Pod for all of our social media. Join the discussion by using the hashtag Fruit loops Pod Discussion or by joining our Facebook group. All of the footnotes for each episode can be found on our website. And
2: if you want to support the show, you can send us a donation on the Cash app. Just Google Fruit Loops Podcast app, or you can become a monthly patron through our Podbean patron page. We also have some merch for sale on our website, but if you can't help monetarily, no problem. You can always give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. And be sure to share our show with your friends. So who are we
1: talking about today, Beth? Today, we're talking about two men, Ricky Javon Gray and Ray Joseph Dandridge. They went on a crime spree and murdered two families in January of 2006. Every time I see the the words Ricky, I'm going to have to restrain myself because I think of Boys
2: in the Hood. When Ricky gets shot, and Cuba Gooding Jr. is like, Ricky!
1: (laughs) You remember that scene? (laughs) I watched that movie so long ago, I can't remember anything about it, to be That's honest. That's okay. That's okay. Um, <laughs> it's, it's a classic. That's all you need to know. But okay. before we get into the story, how you doing? I'm okay. Um back working at home again, and I love it. Yay! I love it so much. But we're supposed to start transitioning back to work next week. And uh, I don't feel safe about that. I don't, I don't want to do it. (laughs) I don't blame you. I don't want to go back to work. Uh, (laughs) I love working at home. But two, I I really don't feel safe. I don't, I think they're, they're uh, jumping jumping the gun. Yeah, for sure.
2: I agree. Um, I also don't feel safe. I know that um, there's restaurants opening. A lot of businesses are opening in Arizona, um, bars and stuff opened today or yesterday. Oh um, wow. Yeah. I didn't
1: know that. Yeah. I thought the state was closed until the 15th. Did they modify it? Uh I
2: well, yeah, so my understanding is the 15th is the date that all businesses can reopen if they want to. Oh, okay. But on the news uh, report I saw today, they um talked about some bar owners who uh were opening now and interviewed some of the the owners of the the businesses so and well, I think um was it maybe it was China or South Korea but somebody one of those countries reopened and there's um a resurgence of new a second diagnosis. yeah yeah, there's, yeah there's that's way... what's gonna
1: happen here yeah so yeah. But Um, although, although um, summer is coming mm -hmm. and the virus um, probably, we don't really know because it's a novel virus, but most coronaviruses die out in the summer, Mm -hmm. but then they come back in the fall. So, oh, well, that's reassuring. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to sleep great tonight. (laughs) We may, uh, you know, uh, have a good summer and then we'll be back in the fall. I don't know. We'll see.
2: Hot, hot, hot girl summer and then (laughs) dead dead girl fall.
1: Dead, dead, dead girl fall. (laughs) Uh,
2: All right. Uh, Well, I don't have anything exciting to report. I'm doing great. No complaints. Good. No uh, illnesses. Family safe. So uh, now let's get into some listener lessons. There
1: we go. Hello, Angels. Hello. Oh, you're loud Mm -hmm. today, Angels. (laughs) (laughs) What's in the bag, Beth? (laughs) We got a comment on uh, Podbean from someone who was disturbed that we only focus on what she called, quote, non white crime. Oh. And she said that it's gross that you decided to separate crimes like that. Really, and um, yeah, I can understand why someone might think that. Okay, if they've never lis- listened to the podcast, they might think we're we're white racists. Huh. And uh, so, and I have run across some websites in my research that were basically racists talking about black people committing crimes because they wanted to prove how bad black people are. Oh. I- I'm sure you've run across those as well. Yeah, and we've yeah. talked
2: about how. Um, there's this uh, myth of black on black crime. Uh, There's no such thing as black on black crime. Most crimes are committed in the vicinity of where criminals and people around them are. So um, black people live around other black people. So their victims are other black people. White people live around other white people. So um, before there was black, uh, this quote unquote, black on black crime, There was just crime. Um, So, Mm -hmm. all it
1: is is just crime. Um, But go ahead. that's okay um so so i can understand why someone might think that um but uh and maybe we should address it more often than the podcast why why we do the podcast i mean we we do our little intro yeah but we don't always talk about we don't get deep into it because we've talked about it before and we assume everybody else has heard that but we could get new listeners who don't know sure so the reason why we chose to focus on serial killers of color is because they do not get as much press as white serial killers, and therefore, the stories of the victims also do not get as much press. Well
2: said. That's it. Case in point. That's why we're here, everybody. <laughs> anyway, well, um, I uh, wanted to shout out, we got two new patrons this week. Rondika, thank you so much, Boo. Hip-hop air horn, where is it? <laughs> Yeah, thank you, Rondika. Yes, and also shout out to Tamber Massam, who became a patron as well. She also wrote a really, really sweet email saying, thanks, I love the show, and I literally tell everyone I know about it. Woo-woo! I especially <clears throat> yeah. appreciate the background research you do on the regions you talk about. I really, It really does deepen my understanding of how these crimes occurred and reminds me to think about the generational trauma that people are suffering from before I judge too harshly. Thanks for what you do, No, no, no. Thank you for listening. (laughs) we, We really appreciate you. We appreciate you all of our listeners and our patrons. Um, remember, yeah. you all can um, become patrons. You can cancel anytime, time, um, but we will be doing a zoom party with our patrons at the uh, $5 level and up on Saturday, May 16th. Uh, so if you want to be a part of that, become a patron um, and
1: we'll see you there. Yeah. I also wanted to mention that I haven't sent out the merch for the new patrons yet because Honestly, I don't feel safe going to the post office. Oh, (laughs) makes sense. Yeah, but like we were discussing earlier, it's getting hot here in AZ. We're in the triple digits already, so the virus should be dying down soon, I hope. Mm -hmm. And uh, as soon as I feel safe enough, I will get my ass down to the post office and send out your merch.
2: Hey, look at Beth coming through for (laughs) Um, (laughs) y'all. Thanks, Beth, for putting your health on the line for (laughs) (laughs) so now we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get into the story when we come back hi i'm kiara
0: and i'm jv
2: and we're the hosts of crime and color a true crime podcast that focuses on people of color
0: this podcast isn't only about serial killers or murderers, but it's also about forgotten victims who never got their stories told,
2: people who survived impossible odds, the wrongfully convicted, as well as the monsters you may not have heard about. Every week, JV and I share with you an interesting case that has caught our attention in a hope to bring awareness to their stories or just share something unbelievable with a bit of witty commentary.
0: <laughs> you can check out Crime and Color on SoundCloud, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher, And if you're feeling chatty, you can talk to us on Twitter
2: as well, at Crime and Color.
1: Thanks for tuning in.
2: All right, here we go. We're back.
1: Uh, So who is our subject today, Beth? Ricky Gray and Ray Dandridge, an uncle and his nephew who went on a killing spree beginning in December of 2005 and ending in January of 2006. I was curious if uh, Ray was related to Dorothy Dandridge, the famous,
2: um, black actress who, um, Stole the show in every film she was in, um, and one I day, have no idea, she stayed at a hotel and dipped her toe in the swimming pool, and they had to drain the whole swimming pool because a black
1: lady. Oh put my her god! Toe in it. It was oh crazy. my fucking god! Yeah, uh, she should have just gone swimming. <laughs> well, see, that was dangerous. That's true. Because that's true. And- I mean, I was, that was a throwaway comment. <laughs> okay. I didn't really put any. I did not put any thought into that. That. Is all right.
2: Which, I mean, yeah, she should have just gone swimming, but there's this famous photo of Black people who were like, you know what? Let's just go swimming. And the um, hotel owner came and dumped acid on them and in the water to get. Oh my them out god! Of the
1: you know uh, what? I've seen that. Yeah, I've seen those. It's pictures. a pretty famous yeah. photo.
2: Yeah. And now, and yeah. people wonder why black people don't. A lot of black people don't go swimming. And uh, it's another culture corner. Um, it has to do with the fact that pools and beaches were segregated. So not They're having close access, to them. Yeah. So not having access to a right. place to swim or learn how to swim affects your ability to swim so that, yeah i would i would say so yeah, yeah. so a lot of people think yeah. oh,
1: african americans are very good at swimming but there's a reason behind it so anyway yeah that makes sense uh, yep.
2: now we are gonna dive into my favorite part of the story which is the stats Brrr. <laughs> the Richmond Spree Murders took place in 2006 in Richmond, Virginia, in the U.S. of A. The perps were, as Beth said, Ray Dandridge and Ricky Gray. The crimes took place from January 1st to January 6th in 2006. Uh, their, their MO was home invasion, robbery, th- throat slitting, beating with a hammer, suffocation with plastic bags, duct tape, and arson. They have seven known victims, but some sources say they're have been as many as 20 robbery and murder victims. Um, So now we're going to dive into the setting. Take us there, Beth.
1: So the setting is Richmond, Virginia. During the Revolutionary War, Patrick Henry's Give Me Liberty or Give Me Death speech took place at St. John's Church in Richmond. But at the same time, Richmond was a major slave trading market the hypocrisy of slavery in a new nation dedicated to democracy was apparently lost on the white folks.
2: Yeah. All the founding fathers were big, fat liars. Yeah. Uh, life and liberty to the pursuit of happiness. Uh, all men are created here. Well, get out of here while all you guys were saying, yeah, get out of here. Yeah. Um, the problem was Black people believed that from the start. Um, so that's why we're always fighting for progress. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. uh, and Richmond is has a very rich history so there's no way we'll be able to get in right um just a couple highlights tip of the iceberg yeah yeah there we go so in the summer of 1800 gabriel prosser a literate enslaved blacksmith planned what would have been a complex rebellion rebellion of the enslaved partly due to his skill as a blacksmith gabriel was hired out to work in many different places and enjoyed more autonomy and mobility than most plantation enslaved people
1: But torrential rains foiled his plan, and the plot was discovered. Gabriel and dozens of co-conspirators were hanged. Below the hill where the gallows was located, where Gabriel was executed, lay unmarked graves of free and enslaved Africans. This area was paved for a parking lot until grassroots-led protests pushed city and state officials to reclaim the historic area. Good. I'm glad that they did that. Um, and another
2: yeah. thing about hangings and lynchings, there's there's a method to the madness of hanging a body um, in order to terrorize other people who see it so that they will not be right. motivated to perhaps commit the same, I don't know, crazy idea of, you know, Pursuing their free work. No, not substitute. get
1: so uppity. Yeah,
2: yeah, exactly. Um, so, uppity, I hate that word so much. <laughs> um, so, uh, now a grassy area, the burial ground was just north of the heart of the slave trading district that was the second busiest in the U.S. after New Orleans. The Manchester docks, along with Rockett's landing across the river, made Richmond the largest source of enslaved black people on the
1: east coast from 1830 to 1860. Henry Box Brown was an enslaved man working in a tobacco factory in Richmond. Although he married and had four children, he was unable to live with his family because they were enslaved at a plantation. In 1848, his wife and children were sold to a different plantation in North Carolina. This loss fueled the impetus for Brown to escape from slavery.
2: Yes. And uh, just just imagine your family being ripped away from you. And I. Um, yeah. People were talking. I can't about, imagine. Yeah, I, I can't either. But listen to the videotapes and the audio of the families who were separated at the border. Um, oh, in, yeah. In, in Most recent history. And I, I think that could give you an idea. An of idea. What yeah. This practice may have um felt like um anyway henry brox brown is one of my favorites uh uh black stories, history stories. Yeah. Um, brown's plan was to have himself shipped as cargo from richmond to philadelphia where slavery had been abolished a white sympathizer named samuel smith uh stay with me you know, Sam Smith, the singer. <laughs> oh, no. Not different Sam Smith. Different Sam Smith, yeah. Shipped the box containing Box Brown on March 23rd, 1849. The box, labeled dry goods, was lined with cloth and had a single hole cut in the top for air. 27 hours later, the box arrived at the headquarters of the Philadelphia Anti-Slavery Society.
1: Richmond became the capital of the Confederate States during the Civil War and the Richmond National Battlefield Park commemorates seven Civil War battles that were fought in and around the city between 1862 and 1865. Sorry, these Civil War reenactments like make me laugh. And um, (laughs) there was a really funny
2: yeah, they're pretty silly. (laughs) Really funny sketch on the Eric Andre show. He's a comedian, uh, like kind of like a Uh Key and Um, And he he uh, did a prank where he um, and a bunch of other black comedians like ran up in, in slave attire upon one of these civil rights reenact or civil war reenactments. And we're like, we just want to be free. We just want to like just running around. like. And it was like the, the white people did not know what to oh, do with oh themselves. God, I was, have to
1: see that. It was,
2: it's on YouTube somewhere. It is so funny. I gotta see that. More people should do that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh, maybe then they'll stop with the reenactments. Um, Um, so (laughs) Richmond is the site of the Virginia Union University, a historically black college, which traces its roots to the Lumpkin Slave Jail, a.k.a. the Devil's Half Acre owned by Robert Lumpkin, a bully trader, meaning that he was notoriously harsh on his um, enslaved population. Lumpkin's jail was a holding facility and auction house. And not not the kind of auction that
1: you see on like Antiques Roadshow. No, like, auction no. people. Right, right. Two years after the Civil War, his widow Mary, who oddly enough was a black woman, leased the complex to the Culver Institute, a school for the emancipated. It would eventually become Virginia Union University.
2: I think that deserves a hip hop. <laughs> Yeah,
1: that's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um,
2: yeah. The Richmond neighborhood of Westwood was founded by emancipated African Americans who left the Patterson Plantation in the 1870s. Well, left quote unquote. Uh, (laughs) uh, The neighborhood and its church surrounded the white suburban communities uh, were denied basic services such as water after annexation by the city. Residents had to get their own water from a fire hydrant.
1: It survived repeated attempts to level the neighborhood to create a city park. And its children were not allowed to attend the all-white West Hampton School, which was within sight of the community. Instead, they were sent to the Carver School, which was about five miles away. Despite this history, the neighborhood endures largely intact a century and a half later. I wonder what the makeup is, though. Uh,
2: According to the 2000 census, um, there were 198... And I chose the 2000 census because this happened in 2006. There were 198,000 people living in the city of Richmond. 57% were Black, 38% were White, 2.6% were Hispanic or Latino, and 1.3% were Asian, the rest Pacific Islander or other races. In 2005, Richmond was ranked the fifth most dangerous city
1: overall and the 12th most dangerous metropolitan area in the U.S. By the years 2005-2006, crime, including violent crime, had decreased dramatically. But unfortunately, when the Richmond crime spree took place, seven people lost their lives and many surviving friends, families, and communities we're left in the spree's wake.
2: So now we are going to dive into the killer's early life. So Ricky Javon Gray was born on March 9th, 1977. Uh, Ricky was raised in Arlington, Virginia and uh, Southern Maryland. His nickname was Cooley. Uh, his father was very abusive. Uh, he used a leather strap, a belt uh, with Ricky's name on it, a PVC pipe and whatever else he could get his hands on to beat Ricky with. This
1: episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour a day? Hmm. Spend more time with your kids, go to the Hmm. gym, Hmm. work on a hobby?
2: take a nap? (laughs) Can you do all those things in 60 minutes? Just kidding. (laughs) You know, a lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. What we do with that time, we don't always know. But the best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what it is. And therapy can help you figure that out. Find what matters to you most and make it a priority so that you can find the time to do more of it.
1: Yeah. Therapy isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for everyone. Mm -hmm. It can empower you to be the best version of yourself. And I've been in and out of therapy most of my life. Same. And it has had such a positive influence on my life that I honestly do not know who I would be without therapy. And I don't want (laughs) to (laughs) know.
2: I don't want to know either. (laughs) Listen, Bev and I have both used BetterHelp, Yeah, and we love it. And if you are thinking of starting therapy, you should give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online and designed to
1: be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. You can also switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to
2: make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com
1: fruit today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash fruit
2: Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime,
0: anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18+. So when the scammer uses the hypnotic method of building rapport, then they create dysfunctional, delusional reality. people who run the cons. So we go to your bank, you go in and get 6000 cash, give us each 3000 we give you this. Uh-huh. You go home and what you find out is cut up newspaper. It's fun to know how the trick is done, and that's what Scams and Cons is all about. Listen at scamsandcons.com or wherever fine podcasts are found.
2: Um, now so I'm hearing those things, um, and I know it's abusive, but like, um... I just wonder if for the times and for a Black family with a uh, strict Black father, I wonder if this was outside of the norm. At least in my family, my mom would use, my parents would use whatever they could get their hands on (laughs) to beat my ass. Uh, So I don't know. This sounds pretty bad to me. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. It does sound pretty bad. Like he would, he would get welts and bruises on little Ricky uh, that other family members witnessed. So obviously it was disturbing enough for other families to comment and be to, to
1: notice. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, I, you know, I was born in 65 um, grew up in the seventies and it was not in unheard of for parents to, to smack their kids with like a wooden spoon, a hairbrush. Mm-hmm um uh, switch whatever but this sounds like pathological yeah i would agree with you
2: it does sound that way
1: yeah ricky was also molested by his half brother mm. he was sexually assaulted so many times that later memories of certain smells vaseline and other products used to sodomize him made him recoil in revulsion during a psychological interview According to Dr. David lissac a professor of psychology who later examined Gray, the rapes could only be described as sexual slavery.
2: That's heartbreaking for a
1: child. It is. Yeah. Yes.
2: Um, his family was riddled with alcoholism and substance abuse, chaos and neglect. He said this largely eliminated the possibility that he could find protection from anyone, anywhere, uh, there was significant corroboration of the abuse, more than LASIK had ever seen before in his career.
1: That's insane. Yeah, that says something. Mm, sure does. Uh, sources say that by age eight, Ricky was living at his father's brothel. Where did I say that wrong? You said it funny. Did you did, Beth style? Uh, uh, <laughs> how am I supposed to say it again? Brothel. <laughs> brothel. Okay, Ricky was living at his father's brothel, <laughs> where, he says, he was assaulted and sexually abused by the sex workers. By the end of 1988, when Ricky was 11 years old, he had been drinking for two years, mm. and he was using PCP. PCP, really? 11 years old, yeah, y'all.
2: Really, really fucks you up. And um, I feel like I should Google what PCP is. Can I do that for a second? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so PCP, um, not the people's cast parts, Angel Dust. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so PCP, uh, also known as Angel Dust or uh pff, dust rocket fuel uh is uh, short for fen Ciclidine in is a mind-altering drug that may lead to hallucinations. Uh, it is considered a dissociative drug leading to a distortion of sights,
1: colors, sounds, self, and one's environment. Um, so so kind of like LSD, but I always got the impression that it was more amphetamine-like than LSD. I I don't really know. I don't know anybody who's taken it. I've never taken it. So Mm -hmm. it's only the stories that I've heard Mm -hmm. that people go crazy, like get like amped up Mm -hmm. on PCP.
2: Mm. I've, I've heard that as well. Um, and, uh, It can cause acute anxiety and a feeling of impending doom, paranoia, violent hostility, psychosis, indistinguishable from that of schizophrenia.
1: So... Okay. Well, that sounds awful. I, yeah. I don't want to take that.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, not interested. Um, yeah. What else? No, thank you. In high doses, uh, psychological effects can uh, also include violence and suicide. Um, so uh, yeah. there you go. Don't do PCP. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, not, not a good idea.
2: Yeah, so uh, Ray Joseph Dandrist, uh, uh, uh Ricky's accomplice, was born on January 24th in 1977, although approximately the same age, Ray was actually Ricky's nephew. Ray's father, Ron Wilson, said that when Ray was young, he told him to leave that boy alone and stop hanging out with him and stuff. It seemed like he always get in trouble when he was around. That boy was Ricky.
1: Now we're going to dive into the timeline. Splish splash. Hit it, Beth. In October of 1995, when they were both 18, Gray and Dandridge were charged in a string of armed robberies that occurred on the same night. Gray, Dandridge and two others robbed five people at gunpoint in four locations in northern Virginia and the Georgetown area of Washington, D.C.
2: Dandridge served 10 years. Gray served three years, but returned to jail in March of 2000 after he was charged with abducting a man after a traffic accident. He was acquitted of that charge, but while waiting
1: trial, he was found with cocaine and was sentenced to 16 months in jail. After he was released, Gray moved to Washington, Pennsylvania, about 30 miles southwest of Pittsburgh. There he married a woman named Treva Terrell, whom he'd known for about six months. On October 26,
2: 2005, Dandridge was released from prison and he headed to Washington, Pennsylvania, where Gray and Treva were living in a house owned by Treva's mother, Marna Squires. Marna allowed Dandridge to move into another home that she also owned. According to Marna, the Grays fought bitterly.
1: Wow. On November 4th, a man who lived just two blocks from Gray's home was the victim of a brutal home invasion robbery. Dandridge and Gray were suspects in the attack.
2: On November 5th, the following day, the badly beaten body of 35-year-old Trevor Terrell Gray was found covered by leaves and twigs next to a gravel parking space near a cliff in a wooded area of the town in Washington, Pennsylvania. And um, that there's some st- horrendous statistic about um, women of color who are in abusive relationships and how likely it is that their abuser will also become
1: their murderer. Murderer them yeah i can't think of it but marna squires and her husband john had noticed red scratches on gray's forearms scratches that gray allegedly told them were quote-unquote passion marks the Hmm. squires began barricading their house at night and lay awake in fear that gray and dandridge would come after them
2: oh my god that's terrifying Um, it is according to Washington police they interviewed both men speaking several times with Gray but couldn't make a case still police describe Gray as a top suspect but Marna Squires alleges that the police were lax in investigating the death wonder why and had suggested to her that Trevor had died of
1: a drug overdose Um,
2: wasn't she badly beaten
1: yeah she was beaten to death so yeah All
2: right. these these police are trash Uh,
1: Yeah, about a week after Trevor's murder, Marna evicted Dandridge from her property, Dandridge then went to West Philadelphia to stay with his father, Ron Wilson, and Wilson's wife, Virginia. In West Philadelphia, born
2: and raised on the playground is how we spent most of our days. You know, first <laughs> Yeah,
1: I, that uh, I do know. That's the yeah. only thing I know. Because it's very West white. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very white friendly, I'd say.
2: It was. You know what? It was. It was. A, a Black family was... You know, packaged and molded in a way that was digestible to white white people. Yeah. 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 Um, So on December 23rd, Marna Squires finally evicted Gray and his mother, Barbara Moten, who had moved in with him for failure to pay the rent. The two left Western Pennsylvania and... (laughs)
1: the angels they're here
2: (laughs) that was a big fat accident uh the, the two
1: left western pennsylvania and headed to arlington where gray's maternal grandmother lived on christmas night dandridge left pennsylvania to head back to virginia and to link up with ricky gray Virginia Wilson said that Dandridge had expressed no previous plans to go, but he left abruptly about 11 p.m. after receiving a call from Gray. Hmm,
2: up to no good. Together in Northern Virginia, Gray and Dandridge at some point hooked up with Ashley Baskerville, a woman Dandridge had started a relationship with while behind bars. She had recently
1: gotten out herself after she had done time on federal drug charges. Baskerville was born on August 18th, 1984. According to family, by the time she was 10, Ashley was running with a bad crowd. When she was 12, her mother and stepfather turned her over to Department of Social Services. Oh, my goodness. And she spent much of her teenage years in shelters and treatment programs. Wow.
2: At 12, they That's gave her sad. up? That's pretty sad.
1: Yeah. They gave her up. Yeah.
2: Man. Um, So Baskerville was behind bars just two months after her 18th birthday. Uh, she was released in March of 2005 when she was 21 years old. Sources said she developed a relationship with dandridge before she left a separate prison, possibly through a website for prison pen pals. She then at some point became Gray's girlfriend.
1: Yeah, so she started the relationship with Dandridge, but then became Gray's girlfriend.
2: Very interesting. A love triangle. Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) 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 On December 31st, 2005, New Year's Eve, 26-year-old Ryan Carey was attacked by two men who he later identified as Gray and Dandridge as he walked from his car to his parents' house in Arlington. After being punched in the face, Carrie immediately gave up his wallet and keys, but the men began stabbing him anyway, so viciously that they broke off two knives in his body. Whew. I mean,
2: the force, the G-force. Yeah. That you would need to break a knife. I've never done that in my life.
1: No, um, I have never stabbed anybody, so I, I I don't know if I could break off a knife in somebody's body. I know, but even an even an old knife. The mental image I have is just insane. Like yeah. just stab, 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 <laughs> stab, stabs stab. in. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah the car- <laughs> the
2: carnage and the rage involved um, yeah. and plus stabbing is so like intimate you have to get intimate. so close yeah. to somebody it's horrifying um but that's not the end of it uh when police arrived at the crime scene a trail of blood led from the house to the victim's car which was parked across the street police found three pieces of broken knife blades and a black handle but they had no suspects
1: carrie sustained extensive beating and stab wounds to the chest neck and arms it was a near fatal assault carrie doesn't know what stopped the attack only that he was in a coma for two weeks he lost all use of his right arm and he was left with severe physical and psychological scars mm. quote i could feel the knives going into the bottom of my mouth oh carrie my later testified
2: oh my god
1: that's awful. yeah um, I
2: know. this poor <laughs> this poor guy i'm so sorry <laughs> Um, Also on New Year's Eve, Brian Harvey, 49, the lead singer and guitarist of House of Freaks, a two-man college rock band, had a gig. Afterwards, he went home to get some sleep before his family's usual get-together on New Year's Day. He got to
1: bed after 2 a.m. Around the same time, Gray and Dandridge were heading south away from Arlington. With them in Gray's van was Ashley Baskerville. The three rolled into Richmond on New Year's Day looking for a house to rob. They drove through neighborhoods near Ashley Baskerville's parents' house, winding up in Woodland Heights.
2: There around 9 a.m., they spotted a red brick house with the front door wide open and they parked down the block. So I'm assuming maybe Brian like just got home late and maybe he left the door open.
1: I don't know. My understanding was um, they were hanging out at home and they had the door open uh, for some air, or, um, mm-hmm. you know, okay. how yeah, you do.
2: Okay um leaving baskerville in the van gray and dandridge approached the house it was the harvey house where brian lived with his wife kathy and two children kathy harvey 39 was the co-owner of a popular local toy shop in richmond called world of mirth she was also the half-sister of actor stephen colp he played rex van de camp in desperate housewives not familiar Uh, their daughters were Stella Ann, who
1: was four, and Ruby May, who was nine. Inside, Gray and Dandridge found Kathy, Brian, and Ruby. Stella had stayed the night with a friend. The men forced the family into the basement. Gray tied up Brian, wrists behind his back, electrical cords around his ankles. If everyone cooperated, they said, no one would get hurt.
2: Okay, so in your mind, I just need to cooperate, and then I'll... I'll yeah, will get out of yeah. this. Yeah. Around 10 a.m., Kristen Perkinson stopped by the house with her daughter to drop off Stella. Kathy persuaded Gray to let her go upstairs to answer the door. Perkinson later said that she noticed that
1: Kathy looked pale and stressed. When Stella darted past her mother and towards the basement family room, Perkinson's daughter tried to follow, but Kathy blocked the way. Kathy told Perkinson she wasn't feeling well. She made a circular motion with her finger like a gun to the side of her head. The sign people typically use to indicate that someone is crazy. Mm. The jester later haunted Perkinson, who
2: said she uh, will always wonder if Kathy was trying to tell her something. Um, I think she was. But Perkinson left, intending to come back later for the
1: Harvey's New Year's Day party. All four Harvey's were now in the house. Gray tied up the rest of the family, put clear packing tape over their mouths, and began ransacking the place. When we had the Harveys in the basement, Ricky acted very mad and was not making sense, Dandridge later said. His eyes were different, and bloodshot, and were sticking out like owl eyes. Mm. Gray would later say that he was high on PCP.
2: Mm. I wonder if that's one of the side effects. Big eyes. Could be. Well, blurred vision, uh, flushing and profuse sweating, blank stare, involuntary eye movements, and exaggerated gait are among the more observable effects. Um, huh. So, Stella and Ruby were starting to panic. Kathy tried to comfort them, uh, telling Gray he should take what he wanted and go. Instead, Gray took out a razor knife. He cut kathy's throat then the little girl's throat the first wounds were not fatal so their throats were slit they're each watching their family members throats get slit and not die and they're still alive And they're still yeah. alive that is i yeah. mean i've already said so many times how horrifying this case is but
1: whoo yeah Santa Maria, yeah they kept getting up and they was scaring me gray later later said He slit Brian's throat, then picked up a claw hammer. I don't know who I hit first, he told police. All I know is nobody was moving when I left out of there. The men grabbed a laptop, assorted odds and ends, and a plate of cookies. Gray poured out two bottles of wine and then lit the basement on fire. I think they used the wine as like an
2: accelerant.
1: Accelerant, yeah, yeah, because of the alcohol. Um,
2: yeah, so around 1.30 p.m., Johnny Hot, Brian's old bandmate, showed up with his daughter for the New Year's Day party. Inside, he encountered a huge cloud of smoke, so he ran out and got the neighbor to call 911. At first, firefighters thought the, po- the people on the floor in the basement were fire victims. It wasn't until they got them outside that they realized it was worse than they thought.
1: A few of us gathered on the curb trying to find out what was going on, said Steve, Toronto neighbor. I'll never forget the expressions on the faces of the firemen and police. Very shocked, very angry. The entire city was shaken by the news of the brutal killings.
2: Brian and Catherine died of blunt force trauma to the head, Stella of smoke inhalation and blunt force trauma to the head, and Ruby of stab wounds to her back. And was Ruby the four year old or the nine year old? She was the
1: four year old. Okay. Poor little thing. Yeah. Later that same day, Lillian Polly came home after spending New Year's Eve at her brother's house. She shared an apartment with her daughter, Latoya Polly, in Chesterfield County. When she arrived home, she found two strange men there, along with LaToya's old friend, Ashley Baskerville. LaToya had recently started dating Ray, whom she'd met through Ashley Baskerville.
2: Uh, the one with cornrows. Ricky, was Ray's uncle, although the two men were both 28 years old. Dandridge was a sweet guy, LaToya thought, when
1: she first started dating him in late December quiet and meek he seemed afraid of his uncle when i drove up they came running out lily polly said they said you're such a nice lady you shouldn't be toting no groceries we'll tote your groceries Hmm. when lily went into her bedroom she found that her visitors had left a gift on her dresser a plastic wrapped plate of chocolate chip cookies you could tell somebody made them polly later said they wasn't bought
2: Ooh, that is so sinister (laughs) um that they took the <laughs> plate of cookies from these people they just killed and like re-gifted them wow yes yes wow uh the next day january 2nd 2006 lily polly was home with her five-year-old grandson and the two men latoya and ashley baskerville had gone out to get their hair done lily didn't like the men playing with her grandson she took the child into
1: her bedroom and shut the door while gray and dandridge watched tv in another room when latoya returned lily took her aside don't leave me in here with them she hissed Mm. latoya and ashley made plans to go out with gray and dandridge that evening stay home lily urged her daughter LaToya reassured her that it was fine, just dinner, and they'd be back soon. That night, Lily sat by the window waiting for her daughter
2: to come home. LaToya had no phone, so she called Baskerville's cell every 10 minutes. I just had a bad, eerie feeling, Lily later said. LaToya later told her mother that the men had spent the night driving around the neighborhood asking her if they knew anyone who had money, any houses they could rob. No, LaToya told them, she
1: didn't. Around 11 p.m., LaToya arrived home alone. Glad to be rid of her visitors, Lily told her daughter that she didn't want Ashley Baskerville in her house again. The girl was disrespectful, a loud mouth. She once told Lily's grandson that she couldn't wait until he turned 18. He was oh, five no. years
2: old. Oh, no. Inappropriate.
1: Yeah, very inappropriate. There was something wrong with her that Lily couldn't quite put her finger on. And uh, in my opinion, that's called your gut. Mm -hmm. Trust your gut. (laughs) I say it all the time here. It's been been a
2: how not to get murder tip numerous times. Uh, Yes. The next morning, Gray and Dandridge showed up again. Baskerville started clearing uh, files off of Gray's PowerBook laptop. Latoya looked over her shoulder and caught sight of what her friend was deleting. A video of a white family opening gifts on Christmas Day. Oh, boy.
1: Yeah. LaToya came into her mother's bedroom and shut the door. In a low voice, she told Lily what she'd seen. Mom, I believe they killed the Harvey people, she said. You can't panic, Mom. You can't panic. Lily heard their voices coming from downstairs. She looked at her daughter and said, if they killed those people, then why the fuck is they still in my house? Ooh, good (laughs) Good question. question. Uh, I'm wondering the same thing. Like, my heart is beating so
2: fast. Yeah, Um, me me too. (laughs) (laughs) Latoya quickly threw her hand over Lily's mouth and demanded that she be quiet, indicating that their lives depended on Lily keeping it together and acting as though this conversation never took place.
1: In frantic whispers, Lily and her daughter debated what to do. They wanted to call the police, but were afraid that Gray and Dandridge might find out and kill them. Or they thought the two men might have accomplices who would come after them. So the women decided to wait.
2: And then on January 3rd, 2006, Roy and Brenda Mason, a couple living on Hollywood Drive in Chesterfield County, Virginia, were robbed by two men and a woman who had gained entry to their house by pretending to ask for directions. mm -mm.
1: To keep the men from tying him up, Roy Mason said that his wife was sick and that if anything happened to her, he would not be able to get to her. The robbers, who agreed not to tie up the couple, were respectful and polite and said, yes, sir, and no, sir. The robbers stole several items, including a computer and television, as well as $800 in cash. Mm. And I don't really know why they were so respectful and polite to this couple, except for maybe they were an older couple Mm. and his wife was debilitated. Maybe that's why. I don't know.
2: Back at the Polly's apartment, Gray and Dandridge gave Lily and LaToya several gifts, a new TV, a DVD player, an educational video game for Lily's grandson. Lily grew ill as she realized that all of it had come from the Harvey's house, including the chocolate chip cookies that she'd eaten. And they were delicious, as it turns out.
1: Oh, man. Man. The two men spent most of their time watching movies and smoking pot. They were considerate house guests, however. Gray fixed the back gate and a leaky bathroom sink. Dandridge bought lily candles and a new remote control. He played with her grandson. He even started calling her mom.
0: Huh. Listen to Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time
1: podcast. It's a fun show
2: about weird stuff.
1: New episodes every Wednesday, Yeah, eggheads. I'm Art.
2: And I'm Andy. And Mr. Bunker's Conspiracy Time is a podcast about conspiracies, the paranormal, UFOs, unsolved mysteries we're going to be discussing the kennedy assassinations oh yeah that's his nickname finger banging bob lazar give
0: me some aliens with some good freaking spacecraft
1: the whole enchilada the only thing bigger than bigfoot's feet are our egos if you like simulation theory ancient history egghead science and
0: mandela effect that kind of stuff so check it out new episodes every wednesday all the links you need on mr bunkers and we'll see you in the bunker Hey, podcast listeners, I'm Paul Brandis introducing my podcast, Countdown to Dallas. It's a fascinating, in depth look at the seemingly unconnected events I also take a look at events unfolding in that era like Cuba and Vietnam, and I'll unpack the conspiracy theories, too, not one of which has ever been conclusively proven. Subscribe to Countdown to Dallas at evergreenpodcasts.com or your favorite listening app, October 31st.
1: I find this juxtaposition so interesting between uh, these vicious murders and these gentle things that they did.
2: Yeah. And um, I wonder how much of it has to do with substances like, yeah. you know, could be. Uh, maybe PCP. Yeah, <laughs> PCP. <laughs> maybe that's why they were so because yeah. There was no PCP in their system. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, could be. Um, Gray and Dandridge stayed at the apartment for nearly a week. They kept asking about an income tax refund check that uh, Latoya was expecting in the mail. Dandridge Dandridge had been dropping hints to Latoya that Gray had killed some people, some children. When Gray, why would you brag about that? Uh, When Gray found out his nephew had been talking, he hit
1: Dandridge in the head, raising a knot. Uh, You don't tell nobody nothing, he said. Finally, on January 6th, Gray, Jandridge, and Baskerville announced that they were leaving for Philadelphia. They said they'd be back in a couple of weeks. And I'm sure Lily and Latoya were like, no, thank you.
0: Yeah, relieved.
1: <laughs> yeah. Crazy. While Lily watched them drive away, she said it felt like I had the weight of the world lifted off of me.
2: Yeah. Uh, hearing, hearing those words makes me relieved as well. Whew. Yeah, uh, yeah, But she and LaToya couldn't shake their concerns about Baskerville. They'd heard her talking about getting Gray and Dadridge to rob her mother, Mary Baskerville Tucker, and the stepfather she disliked, Percy L. Tucker.
1: The three headed back into the city towards Baskerville's parents' house. Baskerville had a key to the house and they planned to rob it. To make Baskerville a pure innocent, they hatched a plan to tie her up along with her parents. Hmm. I don't know if I'm going to go. wonder how, wonder how that. that's going to
2: go. Yeah. yeah. Um, Mary Baskerville Tucker was a religious woman who seldom missed church. As a member of the missionary society, she made visits to the elderly, the sick and shut ins. Uh, she worked at a dry cleaners. Uh, her husband, Percy L. Tucker, was a forklift driver whose hobby was baking pies. That's sweet. Uh, his mama learned him to make pies. Coconut pie, potato pie, just as good as a woman makes. Tucker's brother, Calvin, recalled, that was his specialty. Everybody wanted them.
1: I thought that was cute. Yeah, that's sweet. <laughs> Percy L. and Mary had been together for 19 years. He had moved to Richmond from the small south side town of Chase City to be with Mary and her two-year-old daughter, Ashley. The couple spent many of those years grappling with the challenges posed by Ashley.
2: Okay, um, so I guess now we're going to get into the investigation and arrest. So Dandridge had told Latoya that Gray was thinking about killing Baskerville because she was getting on his damn nerves. Baskerville kept nagging him for money, and Gray was sick of it. But Latoya didn't really think he was serious.
1: However, when Latoya called Dandridge on the afternoon of January 6th, he said something chilling. Quote, Ashley gone bye-bye. Mm. latoya called baskerville's cell phone 10 times she never answered oh boy
2: soon after dandridge and baskerville left the Polly house lily had called police about her suspicions that gray and dandridge were involved in the harvey murders after dandridge said to latoya ashley gone bye-bye lily called the police for a second time
1: officers went to mary baskerville tucker's house where they found all three members of the baskerville tucker family dead They had been gagged and bound with tape and their house had been ransacked. The man had turned on Ashley Baskerville. She'd been killed along with her parents. Oh, my gosh. So she's like, yeah, okay,
2: guys, I'll I'll let you tie me up to uh, go along with the plan. And they murked
1: her, too. And they killed her.
0: Yeah.
2: Uh, so, Percielle and Mary had also been slashed across the throat. The three had suffocated due to the, the layers of duct tape wrapped around their heads. Ashley had a plastic bag wrapped around her head as well, secured with duct tape.
1: Percielle Tucker's green Chevrolet blazer was gone. The men had filled it with items stolen from the house and headed for Philadelphia. Police tapped Latoya's phone and overheard a conversation she had with Dandridge, where he revealed that they were staying at his father's house in Philadelphia. At
2: 8.30 the next morning, January 7th, a Philadelphia police SWAT team stormed into the home. Finally, this is over. Uh, Dandridge surrendered. (laughs) What a relief. (laughs) This story stressed me out. (laughs) Uh, Dandridge surrendered without a fight. Gray was found hiding behind a water heater. He put up a fight and police fought back, subduing him with a pepper spray and a blow to the forehead that required surgical staples.
1: Approximately one hour after the arrest, Dandridge confessed to killing the Tuckers and Ashley Baskerville. Twelve hours after the arrest, Gray asked to speak with a detective, then proceeded to provide a detailed three-page confession to the Harvey murders. He told police officers, I don't believe sorry is strong enough. None of this was necessary. Mm. (laughs) Captain Obvious over here. Yeah. (laughs) 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 <laughs> i don't even know i'm just without words yeah this i don't know what to really- say yeah <laughs> 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 yeah but uh he also commented i just want to die
2: mm. In subsequent confessions, he admitted to the murder of his wife, Treva. Gray said that he beat his wife to death in their bed with a piece of pipe while Dandridge held her down. Oh, my God. Uh, He also admitted to being an accomplice in the Tucker Baskerville murders.
1: While being questioned by police, both Gray and Dandridge admitted to being involved in the stabbing of Ryan Carey. The men told police that pieces of long kitchen knives with black handles were left at the scene. Arlington police obtained a warrant to search the home of Gray's grandmother, and inside the house, police found two kitchen knives with black handles. Uh, Gotcha. On January 8th,
2: 2006, the police formally identified Ashley Baskerville as a participant in the Harvey murders, the Chesterfield robbery and the robbery at her own house. She was found wearing Brian Harvey's wedding band. Gray and Dandridge said that Baskerville had posed as a victim and allowed herself to be bound as part of the plan to rob her mother and stepfather. But things just went wrong. Yeah, just went wrong. Yeah. Oopsies. Yeah. Whoops. Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know I was supposed to. I wasn't allowed to do that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Whoops. Uh, sorry. <laughs> uh. Dandridge and Gray were extradited to Virginia on January 10th. On February 9th, 2006. Gray was charged with five counts of capital murder in the Harvey killings, one charge for killing more than once in a three-year period, one charge for committing more than one killing in a single act, and one charge for killing in commission of a robbery, and then two charges for killing a child under 14 years of age. Hmm. Just reading these
2: charges. They're interesting. For killing more than once in a three-year period? How about like
1: how, about like like how do you killing, come to that? Yeah. <laughs> how about just killing more than one? Okay, four years. Mm-hmm. All right. That's okay. For, yeah. But three four. years? Oh my god. You're you you are really stepping over the line there. What the
2: uh on the same day dandridge was charged with three counts of capital murder in the tucker baskerville killings the third count was later amended to include dandridge's role in the harvey killings so now we're going to get into the trial what do you got beth
1: dandridge initially pleaded not guilty and was tried in september of 2006 But prior to closing arguments, he changed his plea to guilty on the three counts of capital murder as part of an agreement to receive a sentence of life in prison without parole, which spared him from the death penalty. Several of the victim's friends and family members wept quietly after the plea agreement was announced.
2: Um, Well, you can see why they're disappointed. They don't get to do their victim Mm -hmm. statement. There doesn't get to be a trial. And he doesn't get the death penalty, which a right. lot of them probably felt he was well deserved. Deserved. Yeah. Um, Gray pleaded not guilty and his defense team sought leniency, presenting evidence that Gray became addicted to drugs as a child as a way to cope with the horrific sexual and physical abuse he suffered from years at the hands of his family members. In addition, he was high on PCP and other drugs at the time of the crimes.
1: But in August of 2006, a jury found Gray guilty on five capital murder charges after four days of trial and 30 minutes of deliberation. 30 minutes that that's like nothing they they were like yep he's guilty he did it (laughs) they like they went back there and took a vote and then they they had a snack and came back
2: (laughs) (laughs) i want to stay long enough to get my bologna sandwich and then we'll tell the judge we have a vote yeah i've always wanted to do duty i
1: know you do i know so <laughs> i wish bad. i could do something about it i wish i could too i just want to know i just want to know what it's like know what it's room. like yeah in the, 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 room like. Happens, yes. the room where it happens the room where it happens there you go you read my mind the words out of my mouth yeah <laughs> so Uh, maybe you know maybe someday you'll be
2: able to i i don't know i i just i just feel like it's the ultimate service like the ultimate civic duty to serve on a jury and like be
1: fair yes and yeah oh man i've been called a few times but uh never never had to serve
2: oh man
1: it's my dream (laughs) before i die i just want to be on one Jury. I'll put you
2: on the prayer list. Thank you. Please do all you listen to the prayer list. I can get jury duty. Okay.
1: <laughs> so anyway, the jury recommended that Gray receive the death penalty for the murders of Stella and Ruby Harvey and life in prison for the three remaining charges. On October 23rd, 2006, Gray was sentenced to death
2: In December 2006, Culpeper County indicted Gray for the murder of Cheryl Warner, a 37 year old legal secretary and her and a mother of three. On December 18, 2005, Sherry Warner was found shot and hanged by an electrical cord in her burning basement along U.S. 29 near Reva, Virginia, about an hour and a half outside of Arlington.
1: Sherry was on the phone with her father at 7pm when she told her father that a man was at the door saying that he had car trouble and that he wanted to use the phone. Sherry's father was under the impression that the man was not alone. Sherry hung up the phone and was never heard from again. (gasps)
2: My gosh. Alerted by her family, first responders showed up at the Reva home just before 8 p.m. to find it on fire. Her lifeless body bound
1: and hanged in the basement. Warner had been shot in the head. A man named Timothy Thomas told authorities that Ashley Baskerville told him that she was with Gray when he forced his way into a house and killed a lady that and that she saw the body hanged in the basement with an electrical cord.
2: Oh, my God. Saw the body? Um, Thomas had a lot of information about the crime that had not been made public. According to court documents, uh, Baskerville told Thomas that she and Gray followed a woman home from a gas station or store in Culpeper. Oh, my God. This is so scary. This is like Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Uh, Gray knocked on the woman's door and asked to use the phone, indicating he had car trouble.
1: He then forced his way into the house. Baskerville told Thomas that they ransacked the house. She told him details that the house had a front fence and a dog, which were elements unknown to the public. Thomas told investigators that Baskerville said that she heard a female scream from the basement and Gray took her there to show her the dead woman.
2: But on June 4th, 2008, the case against Gary... Gray was (laughs) suspended after forensics analysis found at the victim's home did not match Gray's. Uh, her murder was has never been solved um, so now we are going to get into
1: where are they now hit it Beth Dandridge is currently incarcerated at the Keene Mountain Correctional Center in Oakwood Virginia gray's lawyers filed a petition for uh, clemency
2: in a video released by Virginians for alternatives to the death penalty gray apologized for the deaths of the Harvey family in it he said it's never left my mind because I I understand exactly what I took from the world by looking at my two
1: sisters. Uh, His sisters are the same age as Ruby and Stella would be today. Citing horrific childhood abuse, more than 50 mental health professionals sent a letter asking Governor Terry McAuliffe to commute the death sentence to life in prison. But Gray's clemency plea was denied and he was executed on January 18th, 2017 at Greensville Correctional Center. When officials asked Gray if he had any final words, he replied, nope. Hmm. Gray declined his final meal before the execution.
2: The Brian and Catherine Harvey Family Memorial Endowment was created to provide music, visual art, and performing arts enrichment in the Richmond area. Uh, There is also an annual Ruby's run at Ruby's preschool to raise money for scholarships uh, for her preschool in Ruby's name. Stella's school dedicated the children's garden to her. Uh, So now we're going to get into what we believe made these perps snap and our takeaways from the story.
1: Hit it, Beth. Well, obviously, in in Gray's case, physical and sexual abuse played a huge factor. Mm -hmm. Dandridge was in the same family, the family that a psychologist said was, quote, riddled with alcoholism and substance abuse, chaos and neglect, unquote. So uh, I imagine he probably had a shitty upbringing as well. Um, I think Gray's comment after being arrested and confessing is pretty telling when Mm -hmm. he said, quote, I just want to die.
2: Yeah, Um, I agree with you. These kids were dealt a hell of a hand. And I got to think. It made them angry and feel uh, hopeless. Um, Absolutely, yeah. You know, what do you do when you don't have hope within yourself and are full of anger? You turn to substances. Um, I think they were treated as disposable children, uh, which made it easier th- easier for them to see their victims as the same. Uh, these crimes were horrific to say the least. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nothing uh, can excuse what these two motherfuckers did uh, to those people. But I hope it can be a lesson in early childhood intervention, emotional help and in locking your goddamn doors.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I was just thinking about that. Um, You know, I I have a lot of sympathy for these men when they were children. Yes. Um, And they they were just thrown away.
2: yeah Yeah, and
1: they wreaked wreaked havoc on the world Mm -hmm. and um it it didn't have to be that way yeah yeah
2: this is a I think it's a pretty sad story all around as far as it is all of the victims but then um the two children that these two men were
1: yeah when they were children Mm -hmm. yeah they were destroyed as as human beings and became monsters
2: Mm mm-hmm um, so now we're gonna get into how not to get murdered. So, <clears throat> if you love true crime and you don't want to die, here's a tip for you. Oh.
1: <laughs> 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 this segment is not intended to be victim blaming. We thought of this segment because I read somewhere that a lot of people listen to true crime because they want to know what they can do to be safer. This is not meant to blame the victims. It's just learning from other people's experiences. Sometimes we have no suggestions for a particular episode and we'll just offer up generic tips. We have no tips for this particular episode so we'll just revisit some of the old standbys Mm -hmm. Uh, so be aware of your surroundings Mm -hmm. keep your head on a swivel Mm -hmm. get off your phone but keep your phone handy to call for help Mm -hmm. lock your door behind you no matter where you are the car your house the bathroom stall Uh. make it a habit to immediately lock the door behind you Park in well-lighted areas close to where you are going. Don't be afraid to be rude or to cause a scene. Mm -hmm. And as always, trust your gut. Agreed.
2: Great tips, Beth. Thank you very much. Now we're going to get into the shout-out portion of our show where we shout out any content by people of color
1: or about people of color or any true crime goodies. So tell us about what you've got, Beth. Well, Jennifer and our Facebook group recommended Murder House Flip. Ooh, I can't wait for this. On Quibi. Mm -hmm. Quibi is an app that is only available on your phone, and you can't cast it to your TV. I've tried. (laughs) (laughs) Really? What a bummer. Huh. So, so you can only watch it on your phone, uh-huh. but they break the shows up into short segments. So I think mm-hmm. the idea is that you can watch a segment while you're waiting for something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a break at work or, you know, a dog disappointment or something like that. You got like five minutes. Uh, so you watch five minutes of, of the show, something oh. like that. Oh, okay. okay. So I think that's the idea. Anyway, uh-huh. uh, right now, You can get two weeks for free on Quibi. So I figured, why not? Oh, so you got it? Yeah, I did. I downloaded it. And yeah, it's two weeks free. Um, I binged all of the episodes of Murder Flip House that are available while, while I cook dinner.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I just put my phone up there while I was like chopping vegetables. Nice. <laughs> it's a fun mix of true crime slash house renovation. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Michael Welch is one of the hosts slash designers. He's black and I, I really like him. OK. Um, and, and they don't actually flip houses so much as they make them more livable for the people who own them. My initial thought was that they took these houses, they flipped them and they sold them. But no, people actually live there and they go in and they figure out how to make the houses nicer for them. and uh yeah they're very sensitive to the needs of the people who live in the house who are also living with the histories of the murderers Mm -hmm. and some of them are more comfortable with it than others and i i find that interesting and um i don't know it's kind of a feel-good show i i liked it cool well, thank you for yeah. that recommendation. Yeah, and thank you to Jennifer for uh, posting that in our Facebook group.
2: Yes, absolutely. I saw that post and, I, like, I didn't want to comment on it without seeing the show first. So I'm seeing glad the
1: show. Yeah,
2: yeah. I'm <laughs> glad you have digested it and I've watched it's all very of good. them. Oh, oh, all of them. Wow,
1: all good of them. Good for well, you. there's what only you... there's really only three episodes, so. Huh. 30 minutes long each. Well, I don't know. There's there's three basic episodes and then they're broken up into three parts. It might be 30 minutes each. I I wasn't paying attention to how long they are, but they're Mm -hmm. they're kind of short. So it might be 30 minutes broken into 10 minutes apiece. Oh,
2: Cool, 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 cool. I'm not
1: really sure. I I might be just making that up. <laughs> well, you were just so into it. You completely lost track of time. I, I, it's true. It's true. <laughs> yeah. I was cooking chopping up vegetables watching murder flip house <laughs> or murder house flip you know oh man
2: well i'm really looking forward to it so thank you beth yeah you've you convinced me um so <laughs> so uh where can the people find us beth
1: our website is fruitloopspod.com our facebook page is fruitloopspod and our discussion group is fruitloopspod discussion on facebook we are also on twitter and and Instagram at fruit loops pod and links to our sources will be in our footnotes. If you want to support the show, you can send us a donation on the cash app, just Google fruit loops pod cash app, or you can become a monthly patron through our Podbean patron page. This will help us pay for things like our website and pod hosting. Mm -hmm. There's no minimum and no commitment. Even a dollar would help. And as always, we have merch for sale on our website. Beth is correct. Now, listen up. This is a weekly podcast and new
2: episodes drop every Thursday. So until next time, look alive, guys. It's crazy out there.